please, John chapter 16. And if you are a guest with us here today, we've been in a study through the Gospel of John. And we've been here for probably about almost a year, I think, uh, if I have it right, walking through uh, the life of Jesus Christ as written according to John. And I, uh, we are in chapter 16, and our text is going to be verses 12 through 15 this morning. And it's a continuation of what we started with last week. And last week we were talking about how a good portion of chapter 16 is mainly dealing with the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus is about to go to the cross. Uh, He's preparing His disciples for that. They don't understand it all. Sorrow is filling their hearts. Jesus sees that and understands that, and He tells them, it's good for you that I actually am going away, because if I don't go, the Comforter is not going to come. And so Jesus begins to talk about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and the ministry that He would perform in this world as He is sent from the Father. And so uh, this portion that we'll talk about this morning is a continuation of what we started with last week. And I'll just... uh, remind you that we see the ministry of the Spirit of God in this portion in two different ways. The ministry of the Spirit in the world was in verses 5 through 11. If you go back to those verses and read them, the Bible says, But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asketh me whither goest thou. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. And what he's talking about is the prior chapters... Uh, Jesus has told them that one of them is going to betray him. That was Judas. Jesus told them that, uh, or Peter, that you're going to you're going to you're going to uh, deny me, and you're going to forsake me, and 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 they know that the religious rulers of the day are plotting murder against Jesus. They know all of these things. There's a lot of turmoil that's going on, and sorrow is beginning to fill their heart. And Jesus says, because I've told you these things, you're experiencing this sorrow. And then he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth that is expedient for you that I go away. And that word expedient means it's good for you. It's beneficial for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And so Jesus says, Uh, there's some benefit that you don't understand yet for me to go away. And I'm going to send the comforter and he's going to come and he's going, uh, I'm I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. And then he says in verse 8, and when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. Here's where we see the ministry of the Spirit in the world. He's going to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. And so Jesus says the ministry of the Holy Spirit when He comes is going to be to reprove the world. The word reprove means to convict or convince. Convict the world of what? Convince the world of what? Of sin. And that is regarding bringing the reality of the guilt of sin home to the human heart, that where we understand that we're guilty before God. 
to reprove the world of righteousness. And he says in verse 10 of righteousness, because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Jesus Christ is the, is the picture and the manifestation of, of, of righteous, the righteousness of God. And, it's, and he's saying, I go to my Father and the Spirit of God is going to convict the world of, of righteousness. And it's this truth, that we have no righteousness of our own and we need the righteousness of Christ. And then of judgment. The prince of this world is judged. Satan is already judged. And the truth is, all who reject Jesus Christ are going to be judged of God too. And that's the job of the Spirit, to convince or convict the world of these things. And you get to verse 12, our text today, and we're going to see the ministry of the Spirit in the life of a believer. Verse 12, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit... When He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify Me, for He shall receive of Mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are Mine, therefore said I that He shall take of Mine, and shall show it unto you. A little while, and ye shall not see Me, and again, a little while, ye shall see me because I go to the Father. And we'll talk about that next section another time. But in this portion, verses 12 through 15, we find that the ministry of the Spirit of God in the life of a believer. And as Jesus continues with His men, He understands that it's hard for them and it's hard for their troubled hearts to believe that His going away is actually something good for them. And we read that in verse 7. With all the things they had heard and experienced, I'm sure those words were pretty incredible sounding to the disciples. Judas has already slipped out into the night. Peter's denial has been predicted. The religious crowd is trying to murder Jesus. Sorrow is filling their heart. And then Jesus says, it's good for you that I go away. Can you imagine? Can you imagine their thoughts and the feelings and the anxiety that they must have had? The disciples didn't understand all that Jesus was talking about, but they would come to understand what He meant. And what He meant was that the Holy Spirit of God is going to come alongside of you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to teach you. He's going to carry my presence to each of you. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. What's important to understand as well that as up to this point in time, the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God had not yet been given because Jesus was not glorified. Jesus said that in John 7, that he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And, and then the very next verse says, but this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus was present with them up until this time. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you the permanent indwelling of the Spirit of God. Jesus had been telling them of the Holy Spirit prior to this. Look in John 14. Just go one chapter or two chapters back in John 14. 
In verse 16, Jesus says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may, or that he may abide with you forever. And He says, I'll give you another Comforter, another one of the same kind, another one just like me. I'm going to give to you, and He's going to abide with you forever. He's never going to leave you. Look at verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And so Jesus is already telling them concerning the Comforter who's going to come in chapter 15 in verse 26. Jesus says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And then we get into chapter 16 and we find that Jesus is teaching them concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God in their life. And after he was resurrected, after he was glorified and ascended back to heaven, he would send the Holy Spirit to come alongside of his own to help them and comfort them. He's called the comforter. That's the Greek word parakletos. And it means an intercessor. It means a consoler. It means one who brings comfort. That's what Jesus called the Holy Spirit of God, the consoler or one who brings comfort. And that's important for us as we consider the ministry of the Spirit in the life of a believer, that He's one who brings comfort to the heart. So we're going to consider these verses this morning. Let's ask the Lord to bless His Word and you make application or let the Spirit of God make application in your life uh, today, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'd give us understanding through your Spirit today, and I pray that you'd encourage our hearts and challenge us at the same time, and may your will be done here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so having Jesus is dealing with his men He's told them about the Spirit of God and what He would be doing in the world. And now Jesus relates to them what the Spirit of God will do in their own life. Now notice verse 12. He says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. So Jesus says, there's still a lot of things that I want to tell you. There's a lot of things that you need to learn, but you can't handle it right now. You can't bear it right now. And most of what Jesus told his disciples would actually be unclear to them until after the crucifixion and resurrection, uh, which was actually coming very shortly, just a matter of hours away. And Jesus says there's a lot of things that you still need to learn, but you can't handle it right now. And it, it won't be until the Spirit of God comes to help guide you into truth and help you understand that you're actually going to understand it. They couldn't handle it right at that moment. They were limited in their understanding. They were limited in their scope. And this is exactly what Jesus was referring to in chapter 14 and verse 26 when he said, The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And so, later on, after the crucifixion and the resurrection, the Spirit of God would bring things to their remembrance and teach them concerning truth. 
They were limited in their understanding and limited in their scope. Now, let me make an application. Their limitation wasn't necessarily a reflection of them personally. Like there was something wrong with them. Like, how come you don't get this? How come you don't understand this? And we could make that argument like, man, they lived with Jesus. Like they walked with him for three and a half years. Like they're kind of dense sometimes. And we can kind of make that argument. But you know what? You and I wouldn't be any different. We wouldn't be any different in our approach and our understanding. Jesus knew that they had limitations. And that is why the Spirit of God would help them and enable them in their understanding of truth. And let me just say this to you. We have limitations as well. But often we despise those limitations when we shouldn't despise limitations. Some people think things like this. Oh, I wish, I I remember thinking this at one point in my Christian life, maybe more than once even. But I remember looking at another, a pastor or somebody and like, man, I just wish that I could be like so and so. I wish that I had this kind of capability, or I wish that I had that kind of spirituality, etc., etc. But listen, listen when I tell you this, and listen well. Some steps of discipleship cannot be comprehended until we've first taken other steps of obedience. And you know, you can look at somebody and say, I wish I was like so-and-so or whatever. But we have no idea the road that the Lord has taken them on to get them to that point. And those steps of discipleship, things about the Christian life, can't be understood or comprehended until we've first taken other steps of obedience in our Christian life. And what I'm saying is, the Lord knows that there are things that we can't handle sometimes. And He's going to grow us in His time and in His way to that place of maturity. Our knowledge of God and our knowledge of God's ways are always going to be limited to some degree, no matter what stage of life that we're at, because He's God. Amen? But the key is to simply follow our guide, to trust the leading of our guide. Which Jesus goes on to say, the Spirit of God will guide you into truth. Amen? So we're going to look at three things concerning the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at His agenda. We're going to look at His authority. And what is the last thing that we're going to look at? His administration. That's what we're going to look at. All of these are things that the Spirit of God... uh, the, the, the ministry of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer. So first of all, consider verse 13 now. Verse 13, How be it, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Verse 14, He shall glorify Me. First of all, consider his agenda. What is the agenda of the Holy Spirit of God? Well, verse 13 says that he will not speak of himself. And verse 14 says that he will glorify Jesus Christ. In other words, the Spirit of God has one agenda. One work to perform. 
and that is to exalt Jesus Christ. To exalt Jesus Christ in the life of a believer. He's not going to speak of himself. He didn't come into this world to promote or exalt the works of the Spirit, but to promote the Son of God. Amen. And let me tell you this. That's the best way, friend, to test the waters of genuine spirituality or genuine Christianity. There's a lot of Christianity out there that calls itself Christian, but is absolutely not. One of the ways to test that is what do they believe concerning the Holy Spirit of God, and what does the Holy Spirit of God do? His job is to exalt Jesus Christ. There's a lot of charismatic churches out there. And what those charismatic churches do is promote the works or the gifts or the talents of the Spirit more than they do the one who gave the Spirit. They place a lot of emphasis, more emphasis in fact, on being baptized in the Spirit or slain in the Spirit or speaking in tongues and, 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 and all kinds of other things that are actually unscriptural, unbiblical things. They put all kinds of emphasis on that and more than they do on the Lord Jesus Himself. I was just watching this little video clip earlier this week of one of the if I, if I mentioned his name, you'd probably, you'd probably under, or know who he is, Benny Hinn. You've heard of him? One of these charismatic preachers. And I was watching one of these little video clips of one of his um, rallies or whatever they call them. And all these people, after his you know, dynamic speaking or whatever, all these people come up and they're all standing around him on this stage. And apparently they all have either some sort of health issue or some disease or some ailment or something like that and what was going on was this show and what they were going to do he was going to heal all of them and they were going to receive the spirit and he's saying all of these words and then he smacks this guy right on the head basically right on the forehead with his hand and everybody who was all standing around they all went and fell down onto the stage and he's standing in the middle of them and you see this aerial view and all of these bodies laying around everywhere on the stage. And he healed them all, or they were all slain in the Spirit. And oh, the power of God, the magic, and so on. Friend, that's false. It's wrong. It's not of God. The Word of God tells us to try the spirits, whether they are of God. The promotion was the Holy Spirit. The promotion was a man. And let me tell you, flesh will always seek to exalt flesh. But the Spirit will always seek to exalt Jesus Christ. If a man is placing more emphasis on his gifts rather than the giver of gifts it's a good sign that he's operating in the flesh. Jesus' teaching here concerning the Holy Spirit explains why John, 1 John chapter 4 tells us to try the spirits, whether they are of God. Believers ought to be suspicious of any person or any group claiming to have special revelations from God or promoting the Holy Spirit and not Jesus Christ. There is no special revelation from God anymore. He's given us the final word, amen, in God's word. So we see his agenda is to promote Jesus Christ. But secondly, notice his authority. Go to verse 
13 again, Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Notice that the Holy Spirit of God will tell you things, but He will tell you the things that He's heard. Whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak. The Spirit only speaks that which He has received from God Himself. Of course, the Holy Spirit is God, but we're talking about God the Father. What does this mean? It means that the Spirit of God recites the message that God has given Him to speak. He stands as the representative of God to humanity. And here's the application and here's the point. We would do very well to heed what the Spirit of God is revealing in our hearts. Why? Because it's the very message of God Himself. Let me just say it again if it didn't sink in. When the Spirit of God comes and He begins to speak to your heart and there's conviction there, you better listen. Why? It's the message of God Himself. You don't, listen, you and I don't have the right, we don't have the right to dismiss it as if somehow we are more important than God or more powerful than God. There will be consequences, friend, is what I'm saying. There will be. You're not going to get away with ignoring the message that the Spirit of God brings to the heart in conviction because it's from God Himself. When He brings conviction, we need to respond. He's carrying the message of God to us. Beyond that, it is through the Spirit of God that God reveals His will to us. It's also through the Spirit of God that when we pray, the Spirit of God will... The Bible tells us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And when we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit of God prays for us. His ministry is important. His authority is from God Himself. And then thirdly, I want you to notice His administration. And this is where we'll spend the rest of our time, most of our time that we have this morning. The first part of verse 13. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. And the end of that verse says, He will show you things to come. Here's His administration. He will guide you into truth. He will show you things to come. Now that first phrase, He will guide you in truth. The word guide, it means to lead. It means to show the way. And the implication is, is that in order to lead, He's got to be able to see the way. You following this? But it also implies that there are those who will follow. And it really has this connotation or this meaning that we could relate to like a seeing eye dog. A blind man has a seeing eye dog, right? And what does he do with that dog? He trusts that dog. 
He trusts the dog because he can't see the way. He clings to the dog because the dog is going to lead him in the right way. And it has the same idea with the Holy Spirit of God. He will guide you. He will lead you into truth. Why? Because he can see the way and you can't. And all you need to do is trust him and cling to him. That's kind of the idea behind it. The prominent role of the Spirit of truth is to guide the believer into all truth. And by truth, in this context, Jesus meant the truth about His identity, the truth of His words, the truth of His actions, the truth about what was soon to happen, that He was going to go to the cross. And in time the disciples would come to fully understand that Jesus truly was the Son of God, sent from God to save people from their sins. Now understand this, they already believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They believed that. But they still had a a bit of a wrong understanding of Him and what He had come to do. He didn't come to restore the kingdom of Israel. He came to save people from their sins. And so they already believed that He was the Messiah. They already believed He was the Son of God. But in their mind, they're like, Okay, Lord, is, it, is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom? All right, Lord, is now the time that you're going to overthrow the Roman government and reestablish uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the nation of Israel and rule? Is, is now the time you're going to do that? But see, they didn't understand what He had come to do. To save people from their sins. And in time they would. Only after the crucifixion and the resurrection and through the Holy Spirit's guidance would the disciples be able to understand. Let me give you an example. Well, I'll give that to you in just a moment. But let me make this application. The Holy Spirit of God is still the true guide for believers. And his primary task is to instruct concerning truth. 1 John 2.20 says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Verse 27 of that chapter says, But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, And even even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. In other words, the Holy Spirit of God teaches you it's true, it's not a lie, you've been taught of the Spirit of God. That's That's a reflection of what His ministry is. He's our guide. He's our navigator. How does that play out practically? How is He our guide? How is He our navigator? Well, when it comes to revealing truth, He's our guide. Have you ever ever been reading your Bible and there's been a passage of Scripture maybe that you've read a hundred times before, but as you're reading it today, there's something that just stands out. There's a meaning or there's something that is highlighted in your mind, in your heart that you've never seen before. Has that ever happened? Or you're having your morning devotion and you're reading the Word of God and and again, you've read these passages so many times, but there's just something about it that just opens your understanding and speaks to your heart and brings comfort and brings guidance or brings confidence. Has that ever happened to you? That's the Holy Spirit of God leading in truth. 
Or, Lord, I need to know your will. There's this thing in my life, a decision that needs to be made. Lord, should I do this? Should I not do this? What do you want from me? And I open up my Bible, and I'm just reading through the Scriptures, and all of a sudden, the Lord just, boom, puts His finger right on something. And it's like, that's the answer right there. That's the Holy Spirit of God. Leading, guiding into truth. Here's a big question. Have you ever experienced that? Do you know what that means? Or is that something that's totally foreign to you? Like, I can't relate. I don't get that. We'll just pause there and think about it for a minute. Because the truth of the matter is, if you're a born-again believer, the Spirit of God lives inside of you, and He will perform His ministry in your life. If you don't know what that means... Are you saved? Are you saved? Because here's another truth. You cannot have deity living inside of you and not know it. You will know it if you're truly saved. Jesus said to his disciples, one of his primary jobs is going to guide you, lead you into truth. You don't know the way, but he can see the way. And all you need to do is cling to Him and trust Him and follow Him. And He is the guide for the believer. And it manifests itself in real life application. How does it apply? Well, again, when it comes to revealing truth or or guiding, when it comes to knowing the will of God. I I appreciate little things. And, And sometimes they're, you know, you're not certain that the Lord is leading in a certain way. And there have been times like this where, where I have a message in mind and I'm going to preach this, but there's just something of, uh, convicting in my soul or my spirit that's telling me to go a different way. And I start to go on that process and I even would come to the pulpit not so 100% certain, but I think this is what the Lord is saying. And then you know what? The song service will happen. And the songs that the song leader picks out are just exactly right in line with the message that God has given. And it's just a little thing that just says, the Spirit of God is leading. I love that. It's encouraging to the heart. Understanding His will in your life. It's His job to guide the believer. And let me ask you the question, have you ever been led by the Spirit of God? Have you ever been led by the Spirit of God? Do you know what that means? Do you know what it feels like? Do you know what His voice sounds like? Now, I'm not talking about something audible. What I'm talking about is a sensitivity in the heart that just says, I know that's the Lord speaking to me through His Spirit. Do you understand what that means or what that feels like? If that's something that's totally unrelatable to you, friend, are you even saved? Because the Spirit of God will do this in your life. If that's foreign to you, and I don't, I don't even know what he's talking about, you better check up, friend. You better check up. 
He's going to guide you into truth, Jesus says. The other part of that is Jesus says He's going to show you things to come. That word show, it means to announce. It means to rehearse. And the disciples needed something to someone to help them understand all that Jesus was saying and all that Jesus was doing. The disciples weren't given the the power to, to predict or to know the future. But the Spirit of God knew what it was. And the Spirit of God gave them insight and understanding into what was yet to come. Maybe it was the events of the crucifixion that were about to happen and the resurrection three days and three nights later, His ascension back to heaven, perhaps even the second coming of the Lord Jesus. All of those things were things that the Spirit of God would rehearse to the disciples. He will show you things to come. The disciples would not fully understand all of these things until the Holy Spirit had come after Jesus' death and resurrection. Let me give you an example of that. Go back to John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, again, John is writing concerning the life of Jesus Christ to highlight the deity of Jesus Christ. And so, as John writes, he's remembering... And he writes down uh, the things that he experienced himself with the Lord. And often what John will do as he's writing out a narrative, okay, this is what was happening. Often John, what, what he will do is he'll pause and he'll have a parenthetical statement or a commentary on something that he's just written. And there's an example of this in John chapter 12. And look at verse 12. On the next day... Much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, the king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first, But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. Now, I read this because I want to point out that verse 16 is a parenthetical statement. It's a commentary because the the resurrection of Jesus Christ had not happened yet in the context of what he's writing about. So here Jesus comes and There's all these people at the feast, and they heard that Jesus was coming. And so John's telling this story. They took branches, and they went forth to meet him, and they cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel who cometh in the name of the Lord. And and so John is giving the narrative of what happened, but then he pauses at verse 16, and he makes a commentary. These things understood not his disciples at the first. They, They didn't understand what was going on when it happened. But when Jesus was glorified, they remembered that, they, that, that, excuse me, that these things were written of Him and that they had done these things unto Him. And what I'm saying is John is looking back on the event and he's writing it down and he says, you know what? The disciples didn't understand this when this was happening. But after the resurrection, 
When the Spirit of God came, they remembered that these things were written of Him and that these things happened. It illustrates for us how the Holy Spirit would reveal truth to the disciples that they would write down. And friend, we could read on the very pages of Scripture. 2 Peter 1.21 tells us that the Word of God, the prophecy, came not in old time by the will of men. They didn't write of their own accord, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The word move means to, to, means to be born. It means to be carried along. They were carried along by the Holy Ghost. Jesus told them the Spirit would show or rehearse things to come. Now, let me make an application. This tells us something about God's timing of things. See, the disciples couldn't receive all of what Jesus had for them right away. He said in verse 12, I've got a lot of things to tell you, but you can't handle it all right now. But the Holy Spirit is going to come, and He's going to guide you, and He's going to reveal things to you in time. And it tells us something about the timing of the Lord in things. Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered what it must have been like to have been one of these original disciples? I mean, maybe you think back and you're like, man, their life was, their life was amazing. You know, if I lived back then, or if I was like one of the disciples, my life would be so different than it is now. I mean, knowing Jesus personally and walking with Him every day and then being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, man, that would have made me one of those dynamic Christians. They had it different than we do. And thoughts like that. But let me say something to you. If we're always looking backwards at something we're going to become very dissatisfied with today. And a lot of people think, oh, the good old days. The good old days, we used to do this. The good old days, we used to do that. Those were the good days and we're really dissatisfied with today. But you know what? If we're always looking back that way, we'll never fully appreciate God's plan for today. Because the truth is, God has a plan for today. The Lord wants every believer to be empowered with the same Holy Spirit who filled and empowered His disciples. The Holy Spirit of God lives within you today. So what does it mean? It means that God's best time for you, God's best time for me to be alive and to serve Him is right now. We don't need to be looking back. We don't need to be dwelling on the former days because God has something for you today. His timing is now. His timing is today. You know what else? You don't need to be preoccupied with the future. There's a lot of people who do that. Oh, well, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and this is going to happen and that could happen and, and all the things that could happen, but they haven't happened yet. And we get preoccupied with the future and the uncertainty, and we miss out on today. Who's got the future? The Lord does. 
The Holy Spirit of God sees the way. Amen? All we need to do is trust Him and cling to Him and let Him guide in the way. Jesus said the Spirit of God would guide you into truth. He will show you things to come. And what I'm saying is, all we really need is to deal with today. Because God has plenty of work for us and power to help us today. You find yourself dissatisfied with today? It's not, how, not going how you want it to go? Are you looking back on the good old days of what we used to do? I wonder, I wonder if you're really, really resting and depending on the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, we like to make things all about us. But in reality, what we need to do is surrender and yield today. Because the Spirit of God has a ministry that He wants to work in our life. I'll close with a few thoughts here. I came across a thought-provoking quote by A.W. Tozer. Many of you have heard of him, read his books. He said this. He said, If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would still go on, but no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop, and everybody would know the difference. You see what he's saying? Now let me tell you that the Spirit of God will never be taken away from us. He permanently indwells. But it's worth asking ourselves this question. What is it that we're doing and serving, but we're doing and serving in our own power? Would you notice if the Holy Spirit was no longer there. The Holy Spirit would be withdrawn. Would you notice a difference? Now, He never will be withdrawn from us, praise the Lord. But we sure can withdraw from Him. We can. The Bible says there's at least two ways that we can short-circuit the Holy Spirit's work in our life. In Ephesians chapter 4, go over there with me. Ephesians chapter 4. And look at verse 30. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you, with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So Paul writes to this church and he says, hey, you need to be aware of this. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God in your life. How can you grieve the Spirit of God? Which, by the way, the word grieve means to make sad or sorry. And we can grieve the Holy Spirit of God 
by holding on to all the bad stuff, the gross stuff of the flesh in our life. And he says, that's why let the bitterness and the wrath and the anger and the evil speaking be put away from you and be kind and be tenderhearted and be forgiving. You hold on to that junk, it's going to grieve the Spirit of God in your life. And when we grieve the Spirit, He can't and won't do. He's not able to do all that He wants to do in our life. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Quench not the Spirit. Here's another way to quench the Spirit. The word quench means to put out a fire. You know what? When we ignore the Holy Spirit of God, and we ignore His conviction and we're continually holding on to the junk, or we're continually pushing Him aside and not listening when He brings conviction, the fire of the Holy Spirit can be reduced down to smoldering embers. One of the best ways to make sure we're not grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit of God is to keep short accounts with God and with men. What do I mean by that? I mean this. When you mess up, say I'm sorry. Own it. Admit the fault. Admit the wrong. When you sin, confess it before the Lord. When you've wronged somebody, make it right. Swallow your pride. Go humble yourself and make it right. Keep a short account. That's one of the best ways to keep from grieving the Spirit or quenching the Spirit of God. Because He's not going to withdraw from us, but we sure can withdraw from Him. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going to finish up here, but I want to just speak to two different groups of people here for a second. We have our piano player come. Have our song leader be ready. I want to talk to you that are saved Christians this morning. But maybe you're a Christian who needs to surrender some things to the Lord. If you're saved, friend, you have all the Holy Spirit that you'll ever have or need. But here's a question. Does the Holy Spirit of God have you? Have you been living in your own might? And do you think more highly of yourself than you ought? Do you think you're always right? Have you been saved by His grace, but now you're trying to do everything by your own grit? in your own way. You know, when Paul talked to the church, churches of Galatia, in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3, he said, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Like the Spirit of God gave you life, the Spirit of God is also going to enable you. And what I'm simply saying is this, there might be some things in your life that you need to surrender and yield. 
He's the one who knows the way. Let Him guide you. Cling to Him. Trust Him. We get so caught up in what we don't know and fear of what we don't know. And it robs us of peace and it robs us of joy. And we can be at peace if we simply trust in the Lord and let His Spirit guide. He's the one who knows the way. I'm the blind man. (laughs) He's the guide. Let me also talk to you who are here this morning who are not saved. If you're not saved, you're in a really dangerous position, friend. One day you're going to stand before the Lord. One day you're going to give an account for all that God has brought into your life. If you don't put your faith and trust in Christ, or repenting of your sin, if you don't listen to what the Holy Spirit of God is doing right now in your life, if you don't respond to Him, when, he, when you stand before God, He's going to judge you and judge your sin for all eternity because the Holy Spirit of God is trying to convict you of sin, to convince you of righteousness and of judgment. He's doing that right now. The word convict means to prove one is wrong. And He's trying to show you that, that you're wrong before God. Your sin condemns you before God. You don't have righteousness of your own. Judgment is coming. And what you need to do is admit your guilt and your sin. Believe on Christ. Admit that you're unrighteous, that you need the righteousness of Christ. And friend, what I'm saying is where sin and unrighteousness meet, judgment always follows. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, if you don't put your faith in Him, if you don't repent of your sin before God, Judgment is sure to follow. And it's forever in the lake of fire. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ paid that price. He took your place. And if you'll just repent and receive Him as your Savior, God applies the righteousness of Jesus Christ to your account. And judgment is gone forever. The Spirit of God doing that, drawing you right now? If He is, you need to respond. Let's all stand to our feet. Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed.